Good evening, everybody. It's Rob McCoy. I'm here with uh, Dr. Robin Evans and David Glinke. Uh, the three of us have been fielding questions from folks who've been tuning in every night and um, just trying to make sense of everything. Um, what we wanted to do tonight, I'm going to have uh, David share some graphs that are very compelling uh, to try to encourage a number of folks out there with his insights and expertise. Um, interestingly enough, though, uh, Robin, I hate to put you on the hot seat, but uh, yeah, of uh, I don't mind. I like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. When we're, I'm when, a surgeon. <laughs> I like it intense. Why? Yeah, absolutely. When we're processing uh, medical data, um, a number of the folks, a number of the folks, I'd say three, have have questioned um, your qualifications. Oh, interesting. And I thought, you know what? Okay, fair enough. Sure. I've already had the conversation with you. I wouldn't have you up here if I thought you were a a uh, hack. Yes. Uh, you're, you're a tremendous blessing to not only our fellowship, but the community at large. Um, and we, we really had a neat conversation getting to know each other. Yeah. Share with everybody your training, because sure. I, I, I know we covered it the first night we were together, but yeah. um, I mean, being trained in Canada and going through their medical system. It's different. Um, and, you know, to be labeled here a, a cosmetic surgeon is okay. such a misnomer oh, yeah, no. in, in regards to your background. So share with everybody if you sure. would. And sure. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, grew, I grew up outside of Toronto and um, uh, I had an opportunity to, uh, I did my undergrad at Wilfrid Laurier University where I, I did an honors bachelor of science, graduated top of my class. And when you say top, like number one. Gold medal. Got the gold is. medal. So That's, that's and, pretty smart. And well, and well, that's the Lord. That's yeah, not amen. me. Amen. So you know what? He can do anything with anyone. And I'm amen. the evidence of that. Uh, and then I was able to go on to uh, medical school. So I actually went to McMaster University, which is actually the birthplace of evidence-based medicine. So that term, evidence-based medicine, came from my program, uh, and that's part of the reason I, I chose that particular program, and um, the Lord blessed me. He was, uh, he was faithful and uh, allowed me to get into the operating room and see lives changed. I just had to figure out where I fit into the world, and um, I ended up doing a lot of cardiac surgery, actually, initially, uh, and had an experience at Harvard. Uh, where I ended up working with a plastic surgeon. And so that's how I ended up doing my residency in plastic and reconstructive surgery. Um, and uh, The lion's share of your career, though, has been reconstructive surgery. 100%. Uh, it, it, oh, cosmetic yeah. has been minimal at best. I mean, you have really, you, you're the one who, you know, when somebody has a major trauma to their body, yeah. you, you put them back together again. Uh, uh, yeah, I, absolutely. I, I mean, the vast majority of my, my work is, is reconstructive in nature. Uh, and um, I have also done some postgraduate uh, training, uh, both in pediatric plastic surgery, and that was uh, to prepare me for overseas work. Uh, and I've also done some graduate level courses on uh, global health and uh, epidemiology. So I, I've, I've done more than what most um, plastic surgeons, and of course I'm board certified, that's, that's a given in Canada, that's not an option, that's not an optional piece of our training, that's, um, you need that in order to practice. Right. Yeah. You know what's fascinating is uh, the three of us up here, we're just three guys trying to figure out data Absolutely. and, and give folks some comfort uh, in the midst of what is just sheer confusion. Right. And we're trying to sift through it. Uh, if folks want to question anyone up here, let them question me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a minister of a church, but uh, I, have a, I have a bachelor's degree. Um, I, I would be the, the most underqualified of all the folks sitting up here. Right. Um, but, you know, the amazing thing about it is we all have the ability to sift through and look at things. And that's really what we're trying to do is just bring comfort to folks. 
Uh, David, tell everybody about your background, your, your training, and uh, what, what, what your, your life is like. By the way, I wasn't one of the three. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it okay. wasn't me. Okay. Okay. Uh, I got a two-year degree from uh, Santa Barbara City College in computer science, then went on to Cal Poly and got a degree in business finance. And we actually had a class that was really neat. We got to manage a million dollars of the Cal Poly school money, real yeah. money, not fake money, yeah. which was which was a, a neat experience. And then I taught in the aeronautical engineering department at Cal Poly, too. And uh, you, you've been a pilot since the age of, what, 18? Yeah, 17. How, yeah. How, many, how many hours do you have accrued flying? Uh, just went over 20,000. And, and you've been with American how long? Since 1989, so 30-some years. Make, now you're making me do the mouth out my loud. Bad. <laughs> and a chief pilot, which is... Chief pilot I for mean, a couple of years, that's, yeah. That's an enormous accomplishment. And uh, you, you do uh, certified... Um, you, you deal with people's portfolios. You yeah. have a series... Uh, a series 7 and a series 66 and a series 24, which is the manager's uh, license. And you've been doing that for how long? About 14 years. Yeah. So, so th there you have it, folks. Um, th th this is the best we got. You, you have something better? Come on in. Uh, these folks are volunteering their time every evening to try to make sense of all the chatter out there so that we can look at what's true, what's real, uh, come to an understanding, and, and do the best we can. Uh, so we're going to go back again uh, this evening, and we're going to take a look at uh, some very clear statistics just to bring us up to speed. This is the latest data. Uh, this is uh, Ventura County, and um, the very first slide is, uh, let's switch over to it. It's not working here. First slide is, hello, there we go. Uh, current status, uh, novel coronavirus, COVID-19, Ventura County, as of today. Still 35 cases and one death. The death was someone over 70 years of age. Don't know if it's male or female. Comorbidity? Comorbidity. 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 The likelihood is other issues pertaining to that, that, um, that one case. And um, again, breaking it down by city, it still remains the same. Five in the city of Thousand Oaks. Um, hospitals have, is it? Correct that uh, non-elective surgeries have been shut down. That's only yeah. critical surgeries. That's correct. There's all, there are no elective cases being performed within the hospital. Only emergency uh, or, or urgent. And there's a there's a process by which um, you actually have to go through to be able to book those cases. So everyone is very aware of of the use of resources. And I've talked to a couple of folks at work at Los Robles, and it's. Fairly quiet because they're waiting for this influx of cases and it's just not happening. That's exactly what's going on. It's almost it's a ghost town. It's, it's we have a number of strange. congregants who were looking at surgery and had to postpone it, awaiting yeah. the yeah. beds to be filled to overflowing. Correct. And it's just quiet. It's a hundred percent quiet and has remained that way uh, for well really the past week. Uh, breaking it down by age group, it's still the same. Um, 45 to 64, the number of the cases. 65 and older is nine. And, and interestingly enough, um, this, is, this, is a, this is a fascinating insight, especially in Italy. Um, worldwide statistics show that um, 75 and up and affirmed problems, meaning Comorbidity. I can't do like it. Other, other issues. Other issues. Other issues. Uh, the average age of uh, mortality in Italy is 85. 
the virus has a local infection cycle of eight to 10 weeks, below 75 and infirmed, the mortality rate is extremely low, well below 1%. Uh, what's, what's even more interesting, we have all the schools shut in California. Uh, no one under the age of 14 has died anywhere in the world, and yet all of our schools are shut down in relation to it. Um, and that's, that's, that's an intense reaction to a virus that doesn't seem to be manifesting itself in the way of the numbers we were expecting. Is, is that a fair assessment? Yeah. I, I, I mean... I think we're still learning about what the virus is capable of, but you know these numbers are these numbers are new cases as well, right? So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, I think it's important to say this. Let um, me do this first. Okay, I want you to okay. talk on that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, again, the population of Ventura County: eight hundred and fifty-four thousand two hundred twenty-three. Population: thousand Oaks: one hundred twenty-eight thousand nine hundred ninety-five. Yeah. We have thirty-five cases out of uh, a population of 854,223 in the county, we have uh, uh, one, excuse me, there's five cases, that should be five. Five out of 128,995. There's only one death reported out of 854,000 Ventura County residents. Five cases in the entire city of Thousand Oaks, which is 128,995. Uh, these are statistics worldwide, a little hard to read, but as you can see, uh, the United States has only 705 confirmed deaths uh, and 53,794 cases in a nation of, what, 310 million. We've had 705 deaths, um, and yet we're still waiting for these numbers to come through. So you, you were you were top uh, talking on something earlier before uh, we sat down. I wanted you to expound on that for yeah. the folks tuning in. I, I mean, if if we had these kind of measures in place for things like diabetes or heart disease, I, right? I mean, all of the things that we could do to actually improve our lives, that, that would make an enormous difference in our society. But, I, I, you know, these numbers and the, the confirmed cases, it's important to realize that um, these are very dependent on our ability to test. So seeing more new confirmed cases is not just a reflection of how much more prevalent the disease is in the population, it's also a function of our ability and our access to test these people. So yeah. you know, a great example is, well, why is there no cases in Africa? There is, we know there is. I, I, we just assume there is, but there's not a single test in the whole continent. I mean, I, I'm exaggerating, I, I but, gotcha. but, but you can see that, that you know, it is dependent on that. And that's what we call incidence. Incidence is the number of new cases over a period of time. Uh, and you know, here we're looking at daily, you know, daily values. But the prevalence is something else. It's the bigger thing of how many actual cases are there um, over that time. So, and as we're rolling out these test uh, kits, uh, 45 minutes uh, in total to find out the results, and they're rolling out rapidly even as we speak, that yeah. is going to give us a better handle on... But, I mean, we're just looking at raw data. It's That's right. Just, even that is not overwhelming with just the raw data of incidents. Right. Um, so... It, it, yeah, and, and this is all new. I, yeah. I think this is the other thing, you know, to speak to, um, you know, who, who is the expert and, and how do you do that? And I think the entire world is trying to figure this out. Yeah. 
right? And you know, having a thoughtful um, approach is, is important and being able to understand the numbers that are given to us is sure. even more so to be able to dispel the, the, you know, the fears that surround it. Is, is, is there a way to es extrapolate the numbers as you start to test other words? one in 10,000 or one in, so you start projecting yeah. it based off the population. Yes. Right now, Africa has zero because- No right. testing. No testing. There are ways so to So as we that. test more, at some yes. point, you're able to come up with a number. Projected data. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, public health um, people are really good at this. Yeah. Uh, you know, these are basic epidemiology um, principles and uh, absolutely, I, I expect in the future when we see more testing, these numbers are gonna actually have more value. Um, well, that, that, that brings yeah, us. That's right. That brings us to a place where, you know, we've noticed in the news the president really wants to get America back to work, because as we have been talking about it in the previous uh, times together, um, that that the, the 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 medicine is far more dangerous uh, than what we're facing. I mean, it's this shutdown of American industry and what we're facing is just grinding to a halt. Um, you saw this, this statistic. Uh, this is unemployment rate. Uh, in there, the recession in 2008 and unemployment steadily, steadily declining. And then this virus hits, we shut down all businesses and, and the, the unemployment just goes through the roof. And that's with only 17 states uh, having filed at this point. This is a devastating um, issue. And we're looking at uh, the, the Senate and the Congress even now. Um, they were ready to pass it. And, and I know that uh, Congresswoman Pelosi and Senator Schumer put some more added requirements before they're going to back it. And they shut down this, this bill to get businesses back up and running. Uh, the bill written in itself and however they're going to come to a, an agreement between both, uh, both sides of the aisle, uh, which is, it's frustrating and I, I want to avoid that, but it, it really is frustrating. I mean, if this is the crisis we speak of, why are we adding more? Let's just help the people that are being adversely affected instead of playing politics. But we were looking at um, small businesses, which is 90% of the economy in America. Mm -hmm. Small businesses, if you have less than 500 employees, you would be able to take out a loan for 250% of your payroll and rental expenses. And then if you proved that you were using that money towards keeping folks paid and keeping the rent paid, uh, that would then be transferred into a grant and it would be uh, uh, given by the government to, to keep us operating. Um, and that's, that's helpful. Uh, we had one question uh, that came to us about this idea of uh, the, you know, you you see this idea that the mortgage companies, the lending institutions, the landlords are going to be knocking at our door, virus or no virus, uh, rents and business expenses do not go away and they must be made. Uh, though ordered to stay at home, do tenants bear the expenses, namely rents and mortgage payments, or do landlords, bank and lending institutions take the hit and bear the inevitable loss, which is uh, forthcoming? H how do we deal with this as Christians? How do we operate? And, and you know, rents have to be paid. Mortgages have to be paid. Folks are going to be missing that. Uh, lending companies are expecting mortgage payments to be missed. We're in desperate need in this country when you shut down this economic giant and you just watch it come to a grinding halt. Uh, this is catastrophic mm -hmm. in comparison to what we're seeing with the data. 
And that's one of the reasons why I'm happy to have you, David, to share. We, we, we see this unemployment rise. We saw uh, yesterday you, you pointed out this fear and greed index. And to see <clears throat> now the stock market had a huge jump today. It was a uh, 9%. Well, de depending on what index you looked at, the Dow was up like 11%. S&P was <clears throat> up about 9.5%. I should have updated this graph for you because the thing that's really interesting, it's a poll data, uh, is I had people calling me today, did you get me this, did you get me this, did you get me this? And these were the same people calling me last week, did you sell that, did you sell that? So that, that perception or that indication of those calls just feeds into a graph like this. So it's turned a corner and it's going more towards a, a greed side? Uh, I'm not sure if I'd be willing to do that because the, actually the, uh, the the aftermarket trading is starting to trend down a little bit. Okay. So um, it would be interesting. I'll get an update maybe for this tomorrow to see where this. I'm assuming that this did come off of that red up a point, but not. Not substantially. Not, it, it doesn't swing that fast. Okay. And then uh, this is this is an interesting one I pulled up. You you didn't necessarily ask for this chart, but I. This is the uh, Nasdaq Composite, um, and on the Nasdaq Composite, this is over. Uh, what uh, a five-year term, and you can just see uh, how it, 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 it. Actually, I think this. No, this is. Yeah, this is from 2001 to 2019. Oh no, I'm sorry. That's from, way back. Yeah. Oh, it's way back. 1980 all the way to 2020. I'm yeah. sorry, I was looking at the one to the left. Right. So 1980 to 2020, you can see this steady rise in the NASDAQ. And even this precipitous drop um, is a pittance compared to the, the course of the NASDAQ itself. Um, and then these are some charts that you asked me to bring in. Uh, maybe you could share with folks that are really concerned over what they've worked hard to earn and watching the markets fluctuate and and uh, looking at this data and the fear as we've looked at the medical side of it, um, we gotta make heads and tails of this. So explain this graph to the folks uh, watching. So, so this graph, I have a great one that's in my office that shows all the different events that have happened over you know, our civilization. But this one just happens to pull out a lot of the medical flus and viruses that we've had. And if you look at the overall trend, look at it. Every time we hit one, it didn't really make that big a, it, it did, but it didn't make an overall big deal. The market still went up yeah. and it's still, we're resilient. We're, our American workers in the stock market want to be in there and investing their money. So this, this graph is just really showing some key different events that have happened from a medical crisis standpoint and how they affected it. In fact, that big drop in the middle in 2008, which depending on which index and if you go from peak to trough or just in 2008, somewhere around 38 to 50%. But look at the swine flu came after that and the market kept on going up. Yeah, it kept, kept so increasing. So it's just, you know, it's back to that fear and greed and, and where we're at on the whole projection of that. But that's, it's a good graph. If you go back all the way to 1929, our markets have always gone up because we're yeah. always improving. We're always Innovation. getting better. Yeah. Now, uh, one of the things that folks were saying, you know, get me out of the market, sell uh, the panic that happens, and this, this idea that is instilled by fear. Uh, I was really moved by this next graph, um, impact of being out of the market. Um, take a look at this, folks. David, explain this to everybody out there, if you would. So, and... Um, the one thing about uh, having wisdom is my eyes are going out with it, so yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> lean forward a little bit. But this one right here 
is a graph that we use a lot of times when we're talking to clients. And um, it looks at the different uh, um, returns if you stayed in the market or if you missed. You know, I'm going to cheat, Rob, and it's I'm going right. to look at my graphs here and put my glasses on. Here, you uh, want a set of glasses? No, I got it. Oh, you're all set. Yeah, yeah. So... Do I, get, do I get as thin as you when I have the glasses on? Oh, come on now. <laughs> uh, so anyway, if you look at, uh, this is since uh, to, 1999 to 2018. And if you were to stay in the market fully vested, look at that, 5.62. Now, say you just missed the best 10 days. You drop all the way down to 2%. Now you miss the um, best 20 days, and now you're down negative 33.33%. Go all the way out to miss the best 60 days, you're now at a negative return of 7.41. Here's the thing is, can you tell me when the worst days are? Can you tell me when the best days are? And in fact, that, that bullet point to the point is kind of, bullet point to the right in the center is kind of interesting, is six of the best 10 days occurred within two weeks of the 10 worst. So I always get these people, I go, I'm not making a fear-based decision, but I'd really like to have you get me out of the market. Yeah. And, and I'll tell you when to get back in. And I'm all, well, I appreciate that. Can you let me know? And it's always usually that they're doing the exact opposite. And a graph like this would show that pulling in and out, you're going to miss some of those great days. This is a fascinating graph. The next one, this idea of ending wealth values after a market decline. And um, I... I this one's, you know, now I, granted, I, I don't have stocks, uh, but I, I know folks operate in this capacity. Many of our folks are retired. This is important to them. Look at this next graph. Explain that to everybody out there, if you would. So, so this is, uh, the gray is that 2000, and end of 2007, beginning of 2009 kind of recession that we were in, a little bit of the crash or a lot of the crash right there. So if you started off with 100,000 way off to the left-hand side, and at the very bottom of the market, you said, I'm going to do one of three things. The, the, the line that's projecting high, that person just stayed in. The second person there waited a year and then got back in, and the last person never got back in. So the person that uh, just stayed in, rode, you know, was on vacation and just let his market go, let his portfolio go, went all the way up to 151,000. Full recovery plus an extra basically 51%. Yeah. The person that waited a year, in other words, he missed, or he or she missed those best days, they just broke even at 98,000. And the person that stayed out, I I'm too scared, I'm not going to get back in. Their portfolio is half the size. Now, this is only going through the end of... Uh, uh, um, the end of like 2014. So yeah. this is just a good example of what happens when you get out and you let that fear overtake you to the point that your portfolio is. And it really destroyed. is a barometer of emotion. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a driver of industry, but wondering when are we going to get back to work? When is all this going to happen? So with everything we're sharing and the stuff that we're looking at, it's, it's simply folks, you know, the president's got to make some decisions. The governor has to make some decisions. I know that there was discussion about um, the National Guard being uh, called up. Uh, they have been. Um, how they're going to be used is, from what I've heard, uh, speaking with some of uh, our state government officials, it's going to be minimal. Um, it's going to be in heavily affected areas, meaning San Francisco, Los Angeles area. 
uh, my hope is uh, I'd like to see the president get us back to work. I'd like to be able to worship in our sanctuary on Easter Sunday, quite honestly. I think it's time. Uh, for folks who think that uh, that's a, a great gamble, first of all, I'm, I'm not seeing the numbers. Uh, I think there's a greater detriment to every family out there and these businesses and what's going to happen when the United States of America produces a quarter of all the goods in, in the world and we're going to shackle this economy uh, for something that is not manifesting itself in the manner for which we were expecting or told. And it is, there are unknowns, but with what we have in front of us, we, we've got to get folks back to work. And we want to we want to fellowship together. We want to worship together. We want to be mindful, practical. But uh, you know, I I think instead of being anxious about it, as we've been closing every broadcast this week, um, w my opinion and and three bucks will get you a cup of coffee. Um, we're looking at data. We're just trying to come to a place on how we should pray. Um, Really, these are the questions that, that the folks have been placed in positions of authority. And the scripture says God places all uh, people in authority. And it's for our betterment. But the one thing we do have the power is to pray. So, uh, someone wrote to me and said, um, you, can't, you can't change the course of a bad ruler. You, you can in prayer. Uh, the Bible says that the heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord. And he guides it like a water course. He's sovereign. And he responds to the prayers of his people. And so as we look at all these things, and we certainly want decisions to be made, and uh, we all have our opinions, but we haven't been placed in those positions of authority. And here, it brings us back to this admonition from Paul to the church at Philippi that we are to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. A lot of you out there need some peace. You're a little bit anxious. This is the remedy to it. And God commands us not to be anxious, not to be worried. But we're to be prayerful, very prayerful, pouring out our request to God with the wisdom and the insight we've been ascertaining and gleaning. And we lay those before him and we're thankful. We, we say, God, thank you uh, for this and that it's caused us to rely on you. And then you let these requests be made known to God and leave it with him. And then God will exchange your worry for his peace and it will surpass all understanding. You won't even know why you're at peace. You just are. He'll guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. And then remember this. This is critical. This is the very next verse. Whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. And when it says meditate, it's real simple. It's this idea of prayer. I will meditate upon your precepts and contemplate your ways, O God. Uh, this is the psalmist. And then I want to close our, our time together tonight to remind all of our public officials uh, in, the, in the city, county, state, and nation. We are a constitutional republic and the sovereign in America is the first three words of the preamble, we the people. And we give consent for you to govern. But in that, you have sworn, as I did and continue to, you have sworn to defend the Constitution 
against all enemies, foreign and domestic, and, up to, and to uphold the Constitution. And let us not forget, we have these Bill of Rights, and these are the, the sovereign, the people. These are ours, and we stand firm behind them. You will make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof or bridging the freedom of speech or of the press or the right of the people to peaceably assemble, even on Sundays, and to petition the government for a redress of grievances. We have that right. You can't shut down gun stores, a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. The right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. And the point is this. We are okay with the stay-at-home order. And we do that willingly. We are not obliged. But we want the greater good. But do not destroy this economy. Do not take away our pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Take these issues and rule wisely. Seek God for wisdom. In the meantime, we'll be praying for you for that wisdom. But know that we, as God's people, uh, will settle our heart and be anxious in nothing. We'll intercede. We'll be the ones that will set the tone of civility. Uh, we, we know that in times of crisis that martial law occurs. Um, and that's because there's civil unrest. But I think for all the folks listening, we have this ability to have a peace that passes all understanding. And let others see it and long for it and calm and quiet our heart. And then we close tonight. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. And the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. We all need that. And we are going to receive it when we call upon the Prince of Peace. The Lord loves you. This didn't catch him by surprise. May God bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. Good night, everybody.